Hey, good afternoon. Pat Zemer here with MagnaWave. Welcome to the MagnaWave Office Hours. We come to you on Tuesdays to answer your questions that you may have about MagnaWave, PEMF in general, uh, protocols, uh, whatever it may be, machines. We want to make sure that your uh, questions are answered uh, as much as you'd like to have them. And uh, we're excited about that. We're on uh, uh, CastBox as well. We're on YouTube, Facebook, and the Certified Practitioners Group uh, on the Facebook uh practitioners group page so we're trying to cover all the bases to uh, get to you meet you and uh, spend some time answering your questions if you'd like to talk with me simply text your name to 502-414-3436 and then I'll be able to call you back and we can have a conversation about what it is that you would uh, like to talk about it's always good to do that because we can go deeper into our conversations and questions. Uh, if you ask me a question in the chat box and I answer it, sometimes I don't <clears throat> go as in depth as you might like it to be. So you can re-ask there or ask more there, but if you uh, could call and uh, visit with me, we'd love to do that. So it's uh, 502-414-3436. Just send me a text to that uh, area and I will be able to uh, call you back and have a conversation accordingly. Okay, let's see what we've got going on here in the comments. We've got a bunch of folks with us with us today. Uh, Christine's with us. Uh, MagnaWave Corporate certainly with us. Maureen is with us today. Uh, Becky's with us. Sandy Tra Sandy's with us. Christine is with us. Uh, Tracy's with us this morning. Uh, let's see. Roxanne's with us. With us. Becky uh, asked a question. It looks like she said, "I was reading on the instruction part of the LZR UltraBright." that if we use it frequently on animals that we are supposed to send it back to the supplier, is that MagnaWave or servicing because of the hair from the animals? Now, that could be, um, need to look at the age of the manual that you received. Originally, those devices, uh, they, they didn't have a little filter on the back. And so they got hair into the device from the animals and there was not a clear plastic screen across the front. So you want to just kind of monitor that to make sure that they are staying clean of uh, materials. You could actually uh, take a mild vacuum, if you will, and put it on the back there, kind of make sure you keep any hair, uh, animal hair out of the uh, air filter area. And, uh, but again, at the very beginning, they would clog and need to be returned more often for cleaning and uh, uh, realignment and so forth. Uh, but it's not nearly as critical today with the devices with the clear uh, lens on the front and then there's a filter on the back uh, covering the fan particles, uh, fan piece. So uh, certainly if you feel that it's getting dirty and it's and it, uh, it overheats or you think that that's happening, then it would you'd return it. You'd simply call the office, talk to Lee, and she'll arrange for an RMA and tell you where to send it. You could send it to us and then we could forward it to the repair station, which is in Ohio for, for the LZR, or you could uh, have it in a situation that you send it directly to uh, that facility. So just call Lee at the office, customer service, and support and she'll take care of it for you. If you have a question of her, you can just simply send her an email, lee at magnawavepemf.com and uh, pose the question to her, maybe send her a picture and then she can check with the LZR folks and, and get back to you on what may be the best way to approach uh, that type of situation. So great question, thank you for, for asking. And let's see if there's anything else on here. Boy, a lot of folks with us at this point, we're glad for that. Uh, is a horse wanting to eat hay okay while treating? For sure. Uh, if a horse wants to uh, snack while you're eating or eat their eat their hay or their food, that's certainly uh, all right. You're not doing anything to impede uh, anything going on with the digestive system or what they're doing. Um, in, in some cases, we've had horses where we put up hay bales to kind of relax them so they are paying attention to eating as opposed to what we're doing during the treatment process. So that's... Uh, Great, uh, great question, and that's pretty much the situation. Uh, Lisa Marie is with us. Thank you. Uh, let's see if we have any other questions here. Okay, so again, if you'd like to visit with me, 502-414-3436. Just send me a text. Let me come over here and see if we've had any input this morning. Um, 
Let's see. Nope. Nothing new today at this point. 502-414-3436. What I wanted to talk about today, potentially uh, at the beginning, before we get into some questions, is there's a lot of people, <clears throat> excuse me, talking about uh, testing, um, uh, medical testing, how machines are manufactured, uh, and, and so forth. And, and so basically what's happening, and I kind of go over a little history for you, uh, in the beginning, uh, going back 12, 13, 14 years, uh, all these devices that are around the country were manufactured in various facilities, uh, everything from home manufacturing to factory manufacturing, and um, a, lot of, a lot of the machines were not tested. Now, in theory, if they are non-medical devices and they are used as a massaging uh, type of device, uh, and they're listed as that, talked about in that fashion to do uh, body work, if you will. Uh, in the veterinary space, it's not always been required that things are safety tested uh, to plug into a wall. Now, it's a little different because you have to consider insurance. Uh, some people, uh, veterinary offices or health offices and those types of situations, it may say in their insurance policy that if you have anything that you use in your office that you're gonna plug into the wall and you want us to cover your building for fire or your facilities for fire, everything must be UL approved or F2 approved or any of the uh, various safety labs approved that they are safe to use for fire purposes, that they're not going to cause a fire if they're plugged into the wall. And so that's kind of an insurance kind of issue. And over the years, at the very beginning, we couldn't get liability insurance. We couldn't get any type of insurance for these things. So we had people sign waivers and we were working in barns and we were always with the machines. Da, 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 da. So that was not that much of an issue. And uh, so it is clear that medical devices, if someone says their device is a medical device, which would be something used on people regularly, advertised to be used on people, then that would fit a different criteria as far as the FDA is concerned, as far as, as other regulatory boards with insurance and so forth and may and it's required that medical devices are certainly safety tested for use and safety tested for fire safety and that that's all the way down the line and as we've worked with our various manufacturers and with our partners in manufacturing uh, for the you know we've got the the systems machines from California and then there's the PMS solutions machines and so we've talked to these people we're very involved it's been our goal for years to have everything safety tested, FDA registered, and all of that. And so people will make a lot of different statements that uh, they meet certain criteria of ISO uh, manufacturing. And we know that the factory in California uh, that we use is an ISO uh, factory. They are certified uh, in ISO. We know that our factory that we use for our devices, for some of our devices, uh, is also ISO certified. And we have devices in our line that are supplied to us that are FDA registered and they are safety tested. Uh, all of the components in the devices that are made, we know that where California is and where we are, but what you need, the question you need to ask as people say, oh, well, we're, we're safety tested and someone isn't safety tested or we're registered and someone isn't registered. Here's the thing. That may be the case. There may be a machine that someone is manufacturing that they say is registered, but they may have 10 machines in their line or whatever. And so the question is, what machines are tested? What machines are registered? And are, are, are you in the process of testing all of your devices? I mean, it's not, you don't just send these machines to a testing facility on Tuesday afternoon and they send it back to you on Wednesday and say, gee, that's wonderful. That's not how it works. You send it to the, to the facility, they go through everything. They wanna see drawings, schematics, what you're using, then they make decisions. This part may work, but this part doesn't work as far as fire safety is concerned or user safety 
is concerned. And so then they send back and then you got to make changes to the wires, to the diodes, to whatever it may be, return it to the safety testing UL, just to use the common term that everybody uh, is familiar with. And then they say, okay, you've met the regulations. Now, is the cabinet fire proof? Uh, or fire retardant. And most, I would say that most of the cabinets out there today used in the veterinary space uh, are not fire retardant. So that would hinder completing safety testing for those devices. It doesn't mean that the in, what's inside isn't safe to use and safe, but if you want it safety tested as a as a human device, then the cabinet needs to either be fireproof, fire retardant. Same thing happens with the coils. If you're using a coil on a low power machine, uh, for example, uh, the device that's made the uh, Spiro Go, uh, the coils that we've used forever work fine and they're safe, they're safe to use because of their structure on those devices. As you get into the higher powered devices, the, the Max, the Pulse Pros, the uh, Mayas and all of that in order to meet the safety requirements of the voltage that's put out that we've learned uh, from safety testing at various facilities that the coils need to be changed as far as the wire that's in the coil. And so that's turned into quite a little project to find wire that is, is safety rated uh, for human use now. That's what dictates a lot of this stuff. But if someone wants to have a machine safety tested for fire and insurance purposes, then all of a sudden a lot of things come into play. Fire retardant cases, wiring that will control the charge uh, that's made to withstand an eight or 10,000, 12,000 volt charge uh, put through that wire. That doesn't mean that the coils that have been used for years by everybody are dangerous. It just means that when you start asking those questions for safety purposes, they say, nope, this coil or this wire is not rated for that voltage. Doesn't mean it doesn't work. It's just not rated for that voltage. So if you want to have it rated for that voltage, you got to change the wire and so on and so forth. And it just, it, it's, it's just a cascading uh, type of situation that you go through. You change this, then you have to change that. You change this in order to make it, uh, for example, the, the transformers that have been used for years or transformers that are UL tested, but they're not tested as for human use. They're tested for uh, another type of industrial application which leads me to say over the years, people have said, I remember this happened a lot with the uh, lasers when they went from class three lasers to class four lasers. And people were saying, yeah, these lasers are FDA cleared. They're FDA approved. So that's a great thing. Use them on your horse. And, but what they weren't telling you is that they were FDA approved as a tooth uh, instrument for, for dental work and, or for another process. And so, People are using things, and they always have. Doctors use things off-label all the time. People will do this, but they were saying, oh, these lasers are, are FDA approved, so they're, they're good for you to use on your animals, but they were not approved for that purpose. And, and so it, it, becomes, it becomes very interesting when folks say, well, uh, we do things in this factory, and everything that they do is, is uh, FDA cleared and FDA approved and test safety tested, and when it may be one or two machines in a particular line that at this point are safety tested. So it's easy to say, well, we, we safety test everything, which we're working to do. And we will post everything, uh, and we're doing that now as well, is to, we're posting everything, each machine, this where it's at in the process of safety testing, uh, for fire purposes, safety testing. For example, uh, we've run into situations as we're working closer to register machines with the FDA. The machines we have registered with the FDA are, for, are registered to be sold in the United States. There are some folks who have registration for export purposes to send machines out of the country, but, it, but people will say, well, we're registered. Then there are companies that say, well, they're doing different things. So you need to ask your questions. And, and I'm here to answer those questions with regard to the products that we sell through MagnaWave and our manufacturers uh, that we deal with. So it just, I, I'm just, what I'm trying to say is just don't take some blanket statement. 
uh, I can say all of our machines are safety tested, which I can tell you that all of our machines are in the process of being safety tested. I can also tell you that all of the components uh, that we use or that are used by our factories in the devices, this is the Pulse Pro line in particular, all the components are safety tested and then you put them in the device and then you send the whole device to be safety tested once again. I know I feel like to a point, a little rambling going on. I don't want to ramble, but I just want to clarify the, the situation on safety testing. Each machine has to be safety tested if it's going to be a medical device. There's not, you, you just don't say, well, we've got safety testing and that covers all of our machines. That is not the case. Each device must be safety tested, uh, whether it's for fire use or whether it's for human use as a medical device. If it is a, a device used in veterinary, different rules apply to a point. If, the, if it needs to be for insurance purposes, then you have to meet those insurance needs uh, as you go forward. And all of this is, like I said, in the beginning, no one was asking the questions. Uh, a lot of people were not concerned about, they wanted to build good, safe stuff. I'm not saying that anybody was building unsafe equipment, but once you, once you step into that realm, it's kind of like uh, 30 years ago when I used to buy a home. If I bought a home, no one said anything about a home inspection. You just bought the home and you moved in and you got what you got and, and you dealt with it. Someone might tell you, well, I've had a problem with this or we need to fix that. That's great. And then all of a sudden the home home inspection deal came in and you know that's changed the game because people have to make sure that their homes are what they say they are when they go and they get ready to uh, put them on the, mark, on, the, on the market. Same thing has happened in our world uh, of PEMF. As companies have grown, as the market has increased, then people begin to ask questions. Uh, there was only one for a number of years, only one device on the market that was FDA approved for non-union bone fractures. And, and now there's, I don't know, there's that I'm aware of for sure, there's like five or six different devices. Now they call it different stuff. One may call it TMS, transmagnetic stimulation. Someone else may call it PEMF. Someone else may call it, and they, they cite their registrations in that fashion because they want the exclusivity to say, oh, we're not PEMF, we're transmagnetic stimulation. Well, that's just a different verbiage for a, a particular definition. And so you have a lot of that stuff that does uh, come into play uh, in those types of situations. So if you have a question on that, give me a call. We'll talk about it or put it in the chat box and we'll ask that particular question, get, answer that particular question. Uh, we do have a question, uh, Cheryl in California, questions. And let me just get her up here and we'll give her a call. Hello. Hey, Pat, it's Cheryl in California. Thanks for calling back. Yes, how are you? Good, thank you. I have a question, two questions actually. On the magnetic frequency, the planet has raised to like 7.8 eight and uh, I just did the class I just graduated your course uh -huh. and it said um, seven it said it was tuned to seven frequency of seven and I wondered if that's going to be changed uh, as the magnetic frequency of the planet increases well actually the the magnet the magnetism of the planet is decreasing and over the years it, it is lowered. And so that's one of the reasons that people have used various therapies, grounding and magnetic therapies and things like that to re-enhance the magnetism or, or the magnetic situation in the body, the magnetic fields accordingly. And uh, so it, that's kind of a norm. That's kind of the Schumann resonance that people talk about. Seven to 7.8 is the Schumann resonance, which is very in line with the normal uh, situation of the earth. But if you go back and test various locations on earth and where it's at, there has been a fluctuation in the magnetic field of the earth. And so that will, you know, if you're going to change that, you probably be changing it a lot. Uh, so it's kind of a baseline description as to where it is. 
uh, if the magnetic, if the if the Earth lost its magnetic field, we'd be in chaos and everybody would <laughs> would die. But as long as things are are in the norm, if you follow me, then that's kind of where we are now. And and just to finish this a little bit for you is many of the earlier devices that were were produced were produced in that area in the Schumann resonance area and the Schumann resonance came from the space exploration when they realized that our, our astronauts were coming back with space sickness which was a a deficit in their magnetic field and they needed to be pumped up if you will to not be sick any longer so Schumann is the one who did that created that found that what that special resonance was the 7.8 or whatever uh, to help rejuvenate or heal better not better rejuvenate and and uh, help the the recovery of the astronauts go forward as the machines got stronger what you got was a quicker result to to achieve that so you get rid of inflammation more rapidly with the more powerful machines like we have as whereas the, the lower power machines those astronauts would need to be on them for several hours a day in order to uh, recoup and recover okay Got it. Does, does that make it a little clearer yes yeah. that's perfect thank you okay um, and the second question on uh, the dual machines if you don't want to carry a second attachment because it's like a long walk or something do you have just like a small like a six or eight inch little attachment with the two attachment pieces that you can just clip in the machine that's you can just carry like a handle so that when you do your session you don't have to lug a second attachment with you like all the way to the barn uh, i'm a little confused in what you're asking um so if you um, have the duo machine and uh -huh. you you only know that you're using oh i see so you're only going to use one attachment i got you you know that's a great yeah. idea um, there, there is a specific length that we have to have in order to have proper resistance and proper signal delivery, but it is possible. Uh, I'll bring that up uh, to the to our uh, representatives and see. That's a tremendous idea that if we could have a way that you could have a second thing plugged in to act to allow the machine to operate the way it should, and yet you don't have to fully drag a second attachment with you. Great idea. Um, Emily uh, is with us. Please make a note of that, and uh, we'll ask those questions of, of the engineering departments and the folks we deal with uh, to go. That's a great question. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you. Have a great day over there. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks. Bye couple of really good questions and a good idea that uh, something that we maybe need to look at to on the dual devices to make them so they uh, are no interference or no issues uh, with that. Uh, Sophia is with us on CastBox this morning. Hazel's with us. Uh, Tiger Lala is with us and uh, Emily's with us on CastBox and we got a bunch of folks with us also on uh, Facebook and YouTube. Let me come over here to see if we've got some questions in, um, let's see, let me go down here, have a look. Uh, so someone's commenting on the, on the question I just had, thinking about the same thing, gonna work, work that out. Uh, Donna asked the questions, the new mat with the vibration, can you turn off the vibration if someone doesn't want that part? Can you feel the pulse? If it's, if it's also turned up high enough with the Julian Duo? Does the mat penetrate the entire body? Uh, there are several questions there and I wanna answer those. Yes, if, you, if you're currently using a Wave Oasis with the PEMF and the vibration, you can run the PEMF by itself or you can run the vibration by itself or you can run them together. If you run them together and using the headsets, sometimes because of the magnetic field that we've been discussing, you may hear the clicking in the headsets of the magnetic field. There's two ways to do that. Turn it down a little bit so it's just a little softer. You may not feel it as much, but you're still getting it. So you're still getting the energy that you're looking on receiving. Plus, you can have the vibration go at the same time. One of the things that I often do when I use the mat and the vibration at the same time, I really don't, I'm not concerned about hearing it through my headphones because you can hear it through the speakers in the cushion, in the, the mat itself. So what I'll do if I wanna turn up the, the PEMF to feel it while I'm also being uh, having the dry float, if you will, or the vibration, I just don't wear the headphones. I turn the, turn the music up a little bit, I turn the PEMF to where I want it so I'm feeling it, 
where I want to feel it, and I'm also feeling the vibration. If I want to have something more soothing, then I'm going to do relaxation, but I want the energy that I'm getting from the mat. I'll turn the PEMF down, put the headphones on, vibrate, listen to the music, get very relaxed, sleep, while I'm still receiving the energy of the PEMF. If I turn it up, I may get some interference, you know, the clicking noise, not interference as such. So that is the best way to approach that. So you can separate them. They don't have to be done together. Let's see. Uh, um, And the Julian Duo would do that just fine. Does the mat penetrate the entire body? Yes, it does. Um, As I saw where it's recommended to use another coil on the knees, is there a problem there? No. So if you've got a Julian Duo and you've got the mat plugged into it and you're going to just do the overall body for, for just penetration of the magnetic field, but you've got a bad knee, put that other coil on the knee away. And a lot of times because of its distance, the other thing we've, another thing that we're kind of realizing it, it you can t- treat the knee at the same time with your Julian duo, cause you can control each one of them totally independently. There's two separate machines in that device. Same with the Maya duo. Uh, there's two different machines in that device, so you can control them independently. So there's no nothing wrong. You might want to do the feet. Someone may be having a headache, and so you treat their whole body, and you put the large loop or the butterfly loop over their feet, and so that's good for headache or migraines while you're using the Wave Oasis at, at, at the same time. Great, great questions, and there is no problem there uh, to do that. Hannah's with us today. Uh, JD's with us. Let's see here. Um, sole full body mat, how much Gauss? Hmm. <clears throat> I haven't personally done that test, but I'm going to guess with the sole that can get up to 3,000 Gauss for sole with the paddle or the butter or the butterfly uh, attachment. The bigger the attachment, the lower the Gauss, but you're still getting a lot of tissue stimulation. Um, so I would guess. Uh, with the with the mat and the sole, hmm, certainly you're getting probably uh, five to uh, seven hundred fifty gauss, five hundred to seven hundred fifty gauss, uh, maybe more. We'll we'll check that. Uh, but we test everything because as you and I've, as I've said, and I'll say it again t- today, each device, each attachment changes the gauss delivery from the machine. The paddle provides more gauss, more intensity than any other attachment, followed by the butterfly because it's smaller and a little tighter wind, wind, wound, tighter wind, excuse me. And then we have the uh, uh, large loop, which covers a larger area. And then you get to the wave wings that covers a much larger area and the gauss drops way down. Uh, with the wave wings on the max and and are the the semi three and so forth or the semi five uh, and now the semi ten but so same thing on the sole with that mat the way it's wound it's wound much tighter than the large wave wings so that's why I'm saying maybe 700 gauss delivered from the mat with the sole on a on the higher setting. Uh, if you will, of course, the lower you go, then you're going to be down in the 200, 500, 100 gauss area on those devices. Um, Maya is with us. Uh, hola from the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, welcome from Vermont. There you go. Horse and Hound Alternative Wellness. We're glad you folks are with us. If you have a question, simply put it in the chat box. I'll take a look at it and uh, give you the question, give you the answers that I hope you're looking for, at least the best I can. If I don't know the answer, I'm going to go somewhere and find the answer and get back to you. Just as a question on the on the small uh, attachment to make it easier if you don't want to use two attachments with the dual machine to do that. The only thing is there is some requirement on how long how much cable, how much uh, copper wire we need in those devices to have the proper resistance. Doesn't mean it can't be much shorter and so forth. Great questions. Let me take a look here and see if anyone has come in to call. Uh, Nope. Uh, 502-414-3436. If you have any questions or anything that you would like to discuss with me, send me a text and I will call you back. So I hope I was clear enough on the testing. Don't take the idea that someone says, oh, we operate under this 
and we we do all of this because it's conceivable to have a factory or a place that these five machines are built for veterinary purposes and they're not safety tested this machine is built for human use and it is safety tested but you can say a lot of things but you want to be able to specifically ask those questions what devices are safety tested where are they in that safety testing uh, process. And we have learned a lot as our manufacturers have gone down that road because our goal has been to have devices that are safety tested, approved uh, by the FDA for human use uh, in the marketplace. And then devices that are more designed to be used in a veterinary setting that do not have the same requirements or, uh, as, as usage. And so I could go into a whole million stories on that, but we don't need to necessarily go there, but that that is the situation. So I can tell you as far as MagnaWave is concerned, as far as all of our devices, uh, it is the goal of the manufacturers to test every one of the devices. And and that is happening. Uh, I can, and I know, and, and it's in the, what the systems company does in California, as far as their testing and where they're going, as far as their CE and in uh, Canada, in Europe, and their uh, Health Canada uh, registrations, and their what's going on in the United States with their registration for export purposes, and then where the PMF Solutions Company is with regard to the devices, uh, they do have uh, devices that are FDA registered that are being registered specifically for human use, and then they those same devices that are safety tested. For example, the Spiro Go is a safety tested unit. Uh, that is registered with the FDA and in that situation. The Pulse Pro units uh, that are there, all of the components have been individually safety tested. There is a device that the entire unit is being safety tested for use. And then on the veterinary side, uh, if we want to be safety tested, they'll have to have fire retardant containers and so on and so forth. I'm just being redundant. Sorry for that. Uh, just wanted to be clear on what somebody says. Uh, each device should be tested and someone should be able to tell you where that device is in the safety testing process and for use in your clinic or wherever. Hope that makes sense and uh, as clear as uh, clear as it can be. Let me come back over here and see if we've had any other. Oh my, here's a couple of things. Um, all right, uh, Tim's with us, hello. All right, uh, okay, let me come up and get in the right place. How does Gauss affect sensitivity in the horse or human? I know that the larger attachments have a lower Gauss, but I've had individuals be more sensitive with the larger attachments than the butterfly or vice versa. Why is that? The reason for that is the amount of tissue stimulated. In other words, the devout, and that's just, the, the paddle puts out more Gauss, more intensity from that perspective, but it's smaller. So you can put it on an area as you move it across the back of a horse, you can move it two inches and find palpitation on the hip. Whereas if you move it back two inches, you don't have it because that area is not sensitive, but you put the large loop on there and you'll get movement in the whole area of the large loop when actually it's one small area in the large loop because you figured that out with the paddle, but you're stimulating much more tissue. So when you put the wave wings, for an example, on a horse's hips and you go to turn them up, you can't turn it very high in most cases because you'll get more movement perhaps than you want. And so, but the whole reason for that is because the amount of tissue being uh, influenced by the PEMF field as it released. It's kind of like a, a fire hose. You can work on a fire with your garden hose, but you can take a, a fire hose and it puts out a huge spray or a very direct long spray to better fight the thing. So you're getting more from the larger hose than you are your garden hose. And so that maybe that's a description that'll help you with that with that type situation. So that's that's that one. Let me see here. Let me go down. Um, Dawn has a question. Let me find. Oh, here it is. Um, why when I do the scan, I see movement, but when I put the big loops on, I feel how tight the muscles are in that area. <clears throat> because there is movement does not, you know, when you have that movement, it, it's showing you where the sensitivity is. I hope I'm trying to pick this question up again. Let me read it. When I do the scan, I see no movement, but when I put the big loops on, oh, okay. 
Same thing. If you're using the smaller paddle or the butterfly and you're go again, your intensity has something to do with it. You can move that, that paddle talking that over the hips or over the shoulders of an animal and not see any movement. The secret at that point is to turn it up a little bit, move the same area. If you turn it up to the point that you have movement all the time across the, across the hip, then you're probably too high. You want to gradually bring it up. So you do have, no movement, and then it will seek out the areas, uh, to use the term tightness, or the areas of sensitivity, and then you will see the movement at that point. So you got to be able to adjust the intensity because every animal is different. Their sensitivity is different from animal to animal. So uh, this animal, you may learn because of its muscle mass, because of its strength of its muscle, that you have to turn it a little higher to be able to move it to where all of a sudden you find an area that you do get the movement and you do find the sensitivity that could be in that area. But again, as I've said, you all of a sudden you put the larger loop on and you're seeing movement because you're stimulating more area of tissue. Then you got to go back and see what your intensity is. And, and, and so it's very, and, and this is why I've always talked that you got to do 50 to 100 horses and then you're going to better understand what you're doing. And you need to experiment during that process. So you set your um, you, you set your device on a particular setting and you scan with the paddle. If you have time and you're working with your own animals, take the paddle out, put the large loop in and scan again. And so you can see the differences in the scan as you're doing different areas of in space of, of tissue, but at the same time, you're using the same setting so you can learn the differences there. So um, that's how that works. And that's why it is different in those areas. That's gonna, you're gonna see more and more of that as your experience grows, the differences between the various attachments. Okay, uh, any success with treating horses with synovitis in the fetlock? I've treated a horse three times full body for 40 minutes and then 10 minutes on the fetlock and the leg that vet diagnosed. Horse seemed better jogging in hand immediately after treatments, but now horse doesn't look comfortable as it when it jogged initially. I realized that continued treatments would allow the owner to see continued and longer improvement. You just answered your, your question. You can certainly, the, the, the synovitis, itis means inflammation. So yes, you can get at that. And if you're treating that area for that inflammation specifically. Uh, the challenge is I would go a little longer. Uh, you've done the full body movement and you did 10 minutes. Yeah, you can go 20 minutes on that area. It, it the, Certainly the full body gives us reinforcement as that good oxygenated blood moves through the whole body. But in some cases you wanna spend more time on the area of problem, right? And then maybe a shorter time on the full body. You just wanna neutral, charge the body, if you will, like a battery, and then work the area. In this case, I'd maybe instead of 10 minutes on that particular indication, I'd maybe go 15 or 20 on that indication. And certainly the more you do it, the longer it's going to last. You have to understand that you don't get rid of all of it in one or two or three treatments, and it'll come back until you continue to do it. And then you'll get to that point. You've heard me say it a million times, my wife's herniated discs. We got her to the point that she can get three to four weeks worth of relief if she's not lifting babies and carrying stuff all over the place. But, but you know, in moderation, she can get three to four weeks of very good relief and then just one or two treatments and she gets three to four more, three to four weeks. It took us a long time and a lot of treatments to get her to that point. The animals are the same way. The more you treat, the longer it will last uh, as you are going forward. Wow, to, uh, we've been here 40 minutes already. Let's see, um, hope that helps. Another question. Uh, well, they keep bouncing around on me, I'm sorry. Okay, here we go. I have a client with a 10 year old upper arm injury. He has limited feeling in three fingers. I treated him the first time recently with the LZR simultaneously with the MagnaWave and he suddenly jumped, not in pain, but in surprise. He had got a strange sensation from the LZR and then he got pulsing down his arm into his fingers. Needless to say, it was an amazing experience and he's anxious for another section in hopes that it may regain some feeling in his fingers. 
thank you for sharing that testimonial, if you will. And you know, it, you never know where the blockage is and you never know what can is the best thing. That's why we talk about using complementary methods, using uh, modalities in concert with each other. Uh, as I've said in the past, when I first began, I sold lasers and PEMF equipment and I used them concurrently. And then when I started with the MagnaWave and, and all of that, I used less lasers and a lot of our practitioners didn't use the laser as much because the MagnaWave seemed to be doing a pretty good job of everything. But as we go on, we also learn, wait a minute, uh, let's, let's come back and let's use this complementary method and use it in conjunction and see what we can do to help clear things up and make things work. So it's really a great uh, testimonial that how the light, the energy from the light that's going into the body, the heat, how that changes the viscosity of the blood and on the area that maybe there's some nerve issue or, you know, it's much more hard. It's much harder to get the inflammation out of a nerve than it is out of soft tissue. And so maybe just a conjunction of the two of them used simultaneously, obviously, freed something up and he felt the movement because you know we can put it on the shoulder and you'll see the fingers jumping from the, from the pulsing so we want it to follow the path but there could be something blocking there great thank you for uh, sharing that uh, testimonial that's that's incredible okay let's see here uh, okay protocol to treat an equine non-union equine non-union leg fracture would weekly sessions benefit most assuredly. If it's a non-union situation, weekly sessions would be beneficial. I would recommend doing more than weekly. Maybe try to do it uh, uh, three times a week because you want to get that non-union. What happens, and that's where PEMF was first approved with the FDA, was because you'd have a, a fracture that's coming together and it just wouldn't join. It would not make union, if you will, with, with the two sections of the bone. But they learned and they found and they did studies that the PEMF would help just nurture that enough that it would bring that non-union fracture to solidity and to help form things up the way we wanted it. So most certainly it will help. The time and the number of treatments uh, is, is going to vary. That if it's, a, if it's something that's, we've had, you've seen animals that have had non-union fractures for a, for a long time. And, and so one or two treatments isn't gonna solve that, solve that problem. So it could take multiple, multiple treatments. Could be a situation that you got a, a, someone with, a, with an animal or a person that, that's got that type situation that that's where the rental program comes into play. Get them a machine, let them use it twice a day at home, put it on that area and let it uh, help the process of the body so the body can better heal itself. So that's a lot of the ways that we're trying to look at things to help you and those of you in business and those of you who want to have situations with your animals or your clients that you want to try to get uh, some extra help for, but they may need it every day or twice a day in, in that type of environment. Okay. Um, let's see here. What protocol? I just did that one. Um, Stacking solutions for the win. Yes, Maureen, thank you so much. That is correct. Um, I heard from my house representative in Michigan regarding the bill 4912. Thank you for reaching out to me about house bill. I am opposed to the bill as written. The bill was post passed out of the committee, but is currently on hold and needs some fixing. After speaking with the committee members, the bill was not intended to take away the practices you and others use every day on your animals. Uh, from the sounds of the bill, it stands will be fixed to address the problems or will not, or will not, because I lose that last term there. I didn't see, let me see if I can click that. No, not go any, I, I don't, uh, lost that. Um, so, okay, great. Uh, a lot of folks, the AOPP stepped up and uh, responded to the folks in Michigan. We stepped up as a company, responded to the folks in Michigan about the bill that, that is, was very broad and would be very uh, detrimental, detrimental to what many people do and how they use their equipment, not only PMF equipment, but other things that are allowed to be used in the veterinary space 
in those areas. So we were very glad that the AOPP uh, stepped up and, and came to our defense in that. If you're not a member of the AOPP, please become a member of the AOPP. I mean, you, you can do it on, you can spend some money or you can spend a little money. And the, the, the services they offer, the MAP, the continuing education that they're offering, certifications on their own, that they have. So it's just more stuff that you can do and learn from and add to your credentials. But above all, they are they, they are there to step out and work in these kind of areas. You have to understand if there's a situation in Michigan and we show up and I send a letter, the, the comment, the feeling is, you know how this goes, the feeling is, oh, well, he's just trying to sell his equipment. He's trying to watch out for what he's doing, which is true. But I'm certainly watching out for the practitioners as well. But they don't see it that way. They're thinking, oh, they're just, they're just a sales company trying to do that. But the AOPP is working on behalf of all the different companies that are participating. All companies are not, but several are. And, and all people that are members of the AOPP uh, are not all MagnaWave practitioners. Some of them are, some of them are practitioners for other companies. We're all in this together. There's plenty of work for everybody. So if you're not a member of the AOPP, please go check it out. It's pemfprofessionals.com and uh, take a look at what they have to offer and uh, participate in their programs because they will and they have now in in uh, Michigan. They've come to bat for us last year in New York. We worked on the situation that we got resolved last year in New York prior to the Derby and the other things going on. And then uh, uh, in uh, Ohio, uh, that just recently, and uh, they backed up and they're doing some studies and talk about what they're going to do. And they're communicating uh, with the AOPP and with us because we, it's our responsibility as a company to participate, but we get so much more bang for our buck when the AOPP reaches out because again, they are a third party. They, they are they work with everybody and, and they highlight all types of practitioners. So please check that out. But we're very glad uh, that that uh, the, the representative uh, Northern Light shared that. Thank you so much. And, and we're certainly looking forward to these issues being taken care of so we can move forward with you as a business and the practitioners, so on. Uh, how do you address when a vet is not familiar with PEMF? I have a client with an arthritic dog that we wanted to treat for pain but she is on blood pressure medication due to a heart condition. We asked the dog's vet if it would be okay to treat, and their response was that they do not know what PEMF is, so they can't advise if it would be okay. Any suggestions? Yes. Uh, send them to the AOPP website, where a lot of that information is addressed. Uh, it, it It's amazing to me that there are... Um, people uh, are in, that are in professions, I'm not going to single any profession, that hasn't uh, learned what alternative methods are there for them, integrative medicine as many, many, or integrative health as many, many people are doing. But you have to understand, veterinarians have been practicing for 30, 40, 50 years, and they're happy in what they're doing, and they're doing this, and they haven't had to do a lot of additional research, and so someone asks the question of them, Give them the news and views. That'd be one thing to do. The MagnaWave news and views, which covers it from all perspectives. Doctors are in there. Veterinarians are in there. So these vets can very easily have this piece to uh, learn from. So have them do that. Suggest to them that they check out PubMed. Uh, check out Google. Uh, they can go on Google and say PMF for horses and they'll get everything. There's our studies. We've done studies with our equipment, uh, three or four studies uh, with the MagnaWave equipment specifically for arthritic issues and back problems and prostate issues and so on. So there's research there and there's more research being compiled every day. That again is another function uh, of the AOPP. But what I would do in this instance is uh, say, hey doc, here's uh, news and views, read this and learn some more about PEMF. Now, with this, with this particular animal specifically, if they're on a blood pressure medication because their blood is high, if they have high blood pressure, PEMF will in fact potentially lower blood pressure, not to the point of a problem, but you, you know, you want to understand that, that that can be the situation if they're on a blood pressure medication, that it can lower the blood pressure. And, and so you want to monitor that or keep an eye on that uh, as you go. But in, in most situations, uh, I take blood pressure medicine, I treat myself every day. Uh, 
every day, quite often overnight uh, with the B2 device that I use. And, and so there's just a lot of different things. And so you, you're safe to, you, you should be safe to do that. You want to, you did the right thing. You consulted with the veterinarian, give them the information that's available. But as, as we've learned, uh, it, it will reduce, can reduce blood pressure. So you want to be cognizant of that. Is, would that normally be, and the way to do that is just test it. Treat the dog for five minutes and see how the dog does. And if he gets up and he's happy and he's going around, now he still may have the arthritis things. I'm not saying you're going to take care of his arthritis in five minutes, but treat him for five minutes and see how he does. And if he does good, then maybe treat him for 10 minutes. And see how he gets up, how he does. If, if his blood pressure goes too low, what's he going to do? He's going to sit there and, I don't want to get up. Uh, and be a little tired acting, uh, that type of thing. So the best thing to do is test. We do the same thing. We talk all the time. Someone says, well, my horse has a rod and a screw in its leg. Can I treat it? Will it get hot? No, we've learned that, but treat the horse for four, four or five minutes on a very moderate setting. Feel it. Let the let the trainer feel it. Let them feel it. Know that everything's comfortable. The horse is comfortable. You can see it in their eye that they're comfortable and, and appreciate it in, or utilize it in that type situation. So that's the way to approach that. Do it a couple of times, four setting, five minutes, moderate setting, five minutes, see how the animal does. Animal responds fine. You get to doing it. The pain goes away. That's another good thing. Explain that to the doc. You think if I do it this way, doc, that'll, that'll be okay if you haven't read the news and views yet? Yeah, let's try that. Let's do it for this and see how the dog responds. And then you can tell the Give it to the owner, give it to the, send them a report. Treated the dog for five minutes, the dog got up, felt fine, walked around fine, no issues. Do you think we can go on? You know, just work with them, talk with them. So number one, they do learn and they do understand because when they do, they'll start referencing you and, and helping you if you're doing this uh, as a business or you're moving forward to uh, utilize it in that fashion. Um, let's see. Don, where is news and views? You can uh, call the office and uh, you can, you can, I believe you can order it right on the on practitioner portal on the website. I think it's $35 for a hundred copies and it's a regular newspaper. It reads like a newspaper with covers everything. A lot of studies, a lot of comments from veterinarians, comments from doctors. Uh, Dr. Amanda's in there. Uh, Dr. Roberta Coleman is in there. Dr. Marty is in there. Uh, Dr. Dreesen has an article in there. So there's just a lot of stuff in the news and views presented from a third party. Not me. Uh, you know, in the beginning I was doing stuff, but you, you want to make it so it's distance as much as possible. So it's something that is reliable, gives you credibility, gives you authority. You put your sticker on that and you hand that to somebody and it's like saying, hello, uh, this really works and I'm, I'm for real. So news and views, you can get it uh, on the website or call the office, call support, and they'll tell you how to uh, take care of it and get you the news and views that you're, it's an incredible uh, tool for education and marketing uh, for your practice or for your friends who just want to understand what you're doing um, during doing what you want. Okay, uh, and there, there it is. It's telling you how to order news and views. That's great. Um, okay, so uh, we're almost out of time. So if you have a question, let me see if we've got a phone call we need to make here. Nope, no other calls. 502-414-3436. Got just a couple of minutes. If you'd like to visit, just give me a text. I will call you right back and we can have the conversation. I hope I didn't ramble too much talking about the safety testing and all of that stuff. It's very important. Uh, we're doing it. We want to make sure it's there. Other factories are doing it. Some factories are not doing it. That's a good question to ask. How important is that? Uh, to us, it's very important. Uh, and and there's a lot of... Um, a lot of money taking place to do that, but that's that's what's required. You, you step up to the plate. You got to be prepared to play, and uh, that's what that's how we do it, and that's what we're doing. Everything that we try to do is for you, the practitioner, so you can better utilize it for yourself, for your animals, uh, and so forth. And if you you know that's just that's just where it's going. Times are changing a little bit, as you know, Michigan and Ohio and these places. So we're working with the AOPP and various. Uh, regulatory boards to make sure that we're in good place, that we are um, managed properly, uh, record keeping properly. I mean, it's a, it's amazing when you start dealing with the with the FDA. I mean, we just can't bring something into the have something sent to the factory anymore, and they and they fix it, and then it goes back. I mean, there's 
records that need to be kept, when it arrived, what was wrong, track that particular part, where it came from. So uh, all of that can uh, uh, be tracked. I kind of have that you know, with the MagnaWave Express, the RV. Uh, it, it's amazing. I can call the factory service department and say, hey, I've got this one. They ask for the serial number and I tell them what I'm working for. They can track that part down to this part on this heater was purchased from this company on this date to be utilized in that fashion. That's part of the ISO. The ISO uh, 9000 is that you're keeping records on all of your parts and how all that works. Da 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 da. But anyway, uh, it's really cool how that works. And so, but we have to follow specific uh, regulations today because we want to work closely with the regulatory boards and the FDA and the, um, all the all the boards. So, any other questions? I'd be happy to answer them for you. Just put it in the chat box. Chat box. Let's see. Okay. Um, will the combination of the LZR and MagnaWave help break up internal scar tissue in a joint on a pig? If so, any certain on advice on how long on each? Uh, what order? The order is really not important. You can treat with the LZR prior to the MagnaWave, or you can treat after, or you can treat before and after. So you would treat typically on a pig, much like human type of skin, you don't have, you know, depending where it's at, you can approach it with the hairs not quite as dense as a horse or on a long haired dog, uh, that type of thing. But I would do it before and after. If there is some hair base there, maybe two minutes on the location before and then two minutes after. And I wouldn't do it maybe two minutes, just boom, boom. I do a minute and then let it rest for 30 seconds or so, then do the second minute because it does put off an amount of heat. So we don't want to make the animal uncomfortable and we don't want to, we don't want to create any uh, discomfort. So, and then I would treat with the MagnaWave. Can the uh, MagnaWave and the light be facilitate softening up scar tissue? Most certainly. Uh, I've experienced that personally with racehorses with scar tissue and broken ankles where they get a lot of scarring and all of a sudden it begins to uh, impair mobility. And we've come back with laser or with red light and the MagnaWave and we've been able to, we don't really take away the scar tissue, but you can make it softer to where it's not getting in the way with what's going on. It does not impede on the mobility that you're looking for. If it's a show pig or a racehorse or a performance horse. So you want to have good, good fluidity in those areas. So that the combination of the two can be very beneficial to aid in those type situations. The secret, uh, I hate it. The, the real task or the real challenge or the real way to do it, if you will, is to, if they have an injury like that, begin magnawaving or begin using the light as soon as you can in order to retard, to slow down the scar tissue to where you don't have as much scar tissue. They, they, that's why we do a lot of work with plastic surgeons and, and people like that where they can use the the light and use the PEMF, the MagnaWave, to when, when they have those types of procedures to keep scarring down to where there is very little scarring. So the quicker you get after a situation where there could be scarring, the more you will keep scarring from becoming an issue and becoming as visible as sometimes scarring does become. So um, let's see. Where'd it go here? Okay, let me, how do, okay, let me get my questions. Okay, scar tissue. Uh, how deep does the LZR go? <clears throat> All right, the LZR will penetrate a couple centimeters into the body. Now it's pretty intense, 1200 watts. Uh, so maybe you can even get a little deeper penetration. The more you press it, if, if you're putting it on a on an area, the, the more you compress it into the area, the deeper it will go. Now, the the effect of the, the depth. So if let's just for conversation's sake, let's say you go two inches deep you're going to nourish an additional two inches because you're freeing all this up and it's gonna, it's gonna expand. Again, it's kind of like a hose. You get a hose out, you're watering the plants and you're doing this over here, but you're getting some mist over here. So you're getting it out. That's why you use a hose with a, with, with a pulse or with a stream that is more of a flowing stream, open stream to get a wider area, uh, much like a sprinkler that, that 
collapse and you can see the, the water space, it's actually falling all in between the sprinkler and where it ends at the end of the water uh, projectile. And so that's what you have. So I would say, uh, and that's a question for Dr. Turchin, and it may be in the manual. If you have an LZR, consult your manual, but how deep it will penetrate. It will penetrate more if you press it on the area. It will, if you uh, close your eyes, it'll penetrate through your eyelids to your whole basis of your eye to nourish the eye area. Uh, we have people that use the LZR for um, well-being or for uh, folks that have some depressive issues or PTSD. They put the light right on their forehead for 30 seconds to a minute and then over each ear with no hair covering the ear for the same thing, 30 seconds to a minute, and it produces a sense of well-being in that type of situation. So it will penetrate. It, it doesn't Lasers don't penetrate bone, but they can, the, the, the light, the way it is because of the intensity and the wattage can actually, it, it, the bone becomes translucent, if you will. So the light is moving it through that into that area. It doesn't go like the PMF does. You put the PMF, you know, it goes right into the, into the area. And so you just need to keep those things in mind. But that's what the LZR does. Our machine has a 10 minute timer. Is it possible to make it go longer without continually have to start over? And I have a full body mat, but you don't feel it firing. Is it doing the whole body? Yes. I don't know. I don't know which machine you have with the 10 minute timer. So that would answer my question, be able to help me answer that question a little more. Uh, some of the devices come from the factory with a 10 minute timer and that's it. Uh, other devices have up to a 90 minute timer uh, on, on the devices. Some have a five, 10, 20 minute timer. That's just the way the factory's uh, done it and how, and how it has, has worked from, from that perspective. Can the timer on the device you have be changed? Uh, I'm not saying that there couldn't be a workaround. We have to know the device and what could be done and so on and so forth, but probably not. Uh, but if you're using the full body mat and you're not feeling it, would tell me that you probably have a uh, uh, one of the uh, semi machines or, or uh, duo smaller machines that do have 10 minute timers and you won't feel it as much, but you are getting it and you're getting it to a level of, of over 500 gauss probably in that type situation not 35 gauss like a lot of the low power machines have and and going forward in that area so uh that is the situation there um a couple new, we're out of time we're actually going over but uh let's see we have the largest machine let's see is that the question on the timer Um, oh no, I've lost that question. This thing bounces around on me. I'm so sorry. Um, we do have to go. There are some questions here. 10 minute timer and okay, here's the thing. And I want to answer this question. Then we're going to have to go because we are out of time. Uh, and the other questions we'll get back to next week. Thank you for presenting them. Um, uh, if you get on a machine and you turn it up and you're not feeling it, you're in pretty good shape. If, if I put people on machines, Dr. Marty tells this story. He got on the, a large body mat and and he, he followed somebody. There was a young man on the body mat and their shoulders were just bouncing along. And Marty got on the mat at the same intensity and he felt it in his low back, but nothing in his shoulders. You feel it where you have something going on. It's conceivable. You could lay on that mat yourself or your client lay on that mat and not have a lot going on that it's going to respond at that juncture on that mat. You got to remember the coils are spread out on the mat. So you got to turn it up a bit to get that. If you've got the, one of the more powerful machines, you should you should be able to get that. But it's not uncommon. If I lay on a mat, I treat myself all the time, as I've said. So if I lay on a mat that I might feel a little bit in my right hip or my left hip and nowhere else but I've got it turned almost all the way up because that's where the sensitivity is in my body. And so it's conceivable or depends on the age. Younger people don't have the issues that I have at my age, or you may have at your age, depending if you're in your fifties or sixties, whatever you put it, a younger person on a mat and they would feel nothing. 
potentially, uh, and, and until they get a little older and get a little sore and do some things that, that cause soreness and so forth. So hope that answers your question. Great questions today. I certainly enjoyed it. It's been wonderful uh, being here with you, and uh, we'll be back next week. Everything going well, and uh, so wave on to better health. We love you guys. Have a great week. Bye-bye.